0: Nehemiah chapter 10. In a moment we're going to be reading from verses 28 down to the end of the chapter, that is verse 39. Two weeks ago we looked at verses 1 to 31, beginning with that list of names, those who put their seal To the covenant of God. In modern language. They they signed this covenant. Before God. And two weeks ago. When we were looking at this passage. We were looking at. Covenanted revival. Or revival. Through covenanting. Or another way of saying that. Is how God moved his people. In revival. To covenanting. To promising Before him that they would follow him. And as we saw this covenanting was done publicly. Uh, The the signing of the names. The sealing of the names was done before all. This collective responsibility. And it was done perceptively. It it was done with understanding. They knew what they were signing. And it was also done in a way that brought them under greater responsibility. Responsibility. To follow God, nothing new in a sense, but extra guilt you could say for breaking this covenant. But not only that, there's also positives in this, greater blessings in following it, benefits, wonderful things for covenant keeping, and this is what we're going to look at here this evening. And I want the children as well to think about this. Any of the The children are here and will be listening to God's word here this evening. Have you ever made promises to your parents? Godly promises to your parents and say, mommy, daddy, I will never fight with my brother or sister again. Now, what would happen if you keep that promise? You keep that godly promise before your parents. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for your home? It's a good thing, isn't it? If you keep that promise, there's going to be more peace and joy in that home. So let us think about, as we're looking at the covenant that Nehemiah and God's people did at that time, signed, let us not think of it as negatively because we can think of these things negatively, can't we? Here's a list of things I can't do anymore. No, no, no. Let us think of the positive Wonderful blessings that there is in keeping God's covenant. So we'll read now from Nehemiah chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 28 all the way down to the end of the chapter. Let us hear God's holy word. The rest of the people, uh, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants... And all who have separated themselves from the peoples of the lands to the law of God. Their wives, their sons, their daughters, all who have knowledge and understanding join with their brothers, their nobles and enter into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law that was given by Moses, the servant of God and to observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord, our Lord. And his rules and his statutes. We will not give our daughters to the people of the land to take their daughters for our sons. And if the peoples of the land bring in goods or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. We also take on ourselves the obligation to give yearly a third part of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. For the showbread, the regular grain offering, the regular burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moons, the appointed feasts, the holy things, the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and for all the work of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites and the people, have likewise cast lots for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God, according to our fathers' houses, at times appointed year by year to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We bind ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord, also to bring to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and of our flocks, and to bring the first of our dough and our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the wine and the oil, to the priests, to the chambers, Of the house of our God, and to bring to the Levites the tithes from our ground. For it is the Levites who collect the tithes of all our towns where we labor. And the priest, the son of Aaron, who shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive the tithes, and the Levites shall bring up the tithe of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse the people of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of grain, wine and oil to the chambers where the vessels of the sanctuary are, as well as the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers. We will not neglect the house of our God and may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Our title for this evening's message is The Blessings of Covenant Keeping. The Blessings of Covenant Keeping. This week, our denomination, last Monday through to Wednesday, held our annual synod. And last Wednesday, we held a covenant renewal Service on the last day of Synod. It was a time where we as a denomination recommitted ourselves to God and to His covenant and to promises that we as a denomination have already taken before God. It was a wonderful time to re examine. Our hearts before almighty God. But with all of these covenants. With our promises before almighty God. There is the danger of us. Looking at them negatively. Looking at them negatively. We think. Well if I promise this. Here's a bunch of things. I cannot do. Here's. If we think of. Have you ever gone on a diet? And you think of well. Well. Here's a list of foods I can't eat anymore. Here's all the fun things I can't eat. Ice cream, that's That's out the window. And before you know it, you're thinking about all the fun foods you can't eat anymore. And before you know it, the diet is over. Because you're thinking about it more than you did before. Or we can think positively about it. Think of new foods to try. Or perhaps how good it feels after exercise. We can think of all the benefits and all the good things that would come out of such a change in our lives. If we think about it, what's more likely to fail? The positive approach or the negative approach? Which one motivates us personally? You know that old saying, you catch more flies with honey. We need to think about... The blessings of covenant keeping, our promises before God, the wonderful things that come out of following the things that we have promised in the first place, the benefits of doing such a thing. And as our denomination, the leadership, and others signed a covenant of covenant renewal before Almighty God, recommitting ourselves to Almighty God and Lord willing, in, in soon, uh, your own, uh, the congregation here in Lisbon will have their own service of covenant renewal. But we should look forward to such things because they are wonderful things. Uh, but they are wonderful things if they are kept. They are wonderful things if they are followed, because they bring you away from that which is not good, to that which is good. They bring you away from that which curses to that which blesses. Let us see this morning as we look at Nehemiah and the people of God at that time as they covenanted before God. What were the blessings if they followed these covenant promises before God? And what can we learn for today in the year 2022? Number one, as we look at this text, our first point is the blessing of repentance. The blessing of repentance. Now, that might seem like a strange thing to say. We think about repentance as something negative, don't we? Uh, Even in Mark's gospel, when we see Jesus saying, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And how many of us think, well, is that a bit negative to start off with? Turning from sin, yes. You could say in a negative way there. But turning to something, someone, who is far better than anything we will turn our back on in repenting someone far better, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at these covenant promises that they made, verse 28, now the rest of the people... The priests, the Levites, and it gives a list here. uh, And all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God. There's a positive moving away toward the law of God. Verse 29. These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God. To observe and to do all the commandments of the Lord our God. And his ordinances. And his statutes. And then there's other promises. We would not give our daughters as wives. There's promises, verse 30, to not engage in mixed marriages. In verse 31, there's promises then, if the peoples of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath day. There's promises here to not break the Sabbath. To not break the fourth commandment. This, there is a change but away from something that is sinful. Something that is sinful toward blessed practices. Blessed practices. We mentioned that covenanting is to be done positively but now let us look at this in more detail. They promise to follow the law of God. And that is a wonderful thing to the soul that has been born again of the Spirit of God. Rebellion is bitter. But what we turn to is something sweet and wonderful. It says in in Psalm 119 verse 77. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live for your law is my delight. My delight. And that is what we're turning to. Now, some of us may need new taste buds, new cravings, as it were, to taste and to see that God is good. Now, many of us, after having a meal, what do we often crave right after we've had a big meal? Many of us will crave something sweet. Now, I'm a bit unusual. I don't crave sweet things after dinner. I usually crave bitter things. I usually crave coffee or things like that. Now, that's fine for food. But what about spiritually? What if we crave spiritually what is bitter and what is not sweet? You taste honey, something spiritual honey, something that is truly wonderful. And... It's not something you want at all. You taste bitter, perhaps, and you think that that is what is sweet. Sweetness to you, unless you are born again, is something awful. Only the person who is born again of the Spirit of God, with a new heart, a new nature, will see Christ as sweet and lovely. Only that person and turn from the bitterness of sin in keeping the covenant before God we are turning away from what is horrible what is ugly, what is what is vile to that which is the most wonderful the most glorious essentially we 're turning to Christ in covenant keeping Turning to Christ. Growing in our understanding of Christ. And growing in our hatred of sin. And understanding of what is sweet. And turning away from that which is bitter. In keeping the covenant before God. We turn from sin to Christ. The children who are here. Imagine children if you were used to eating dirt outside in the backyard and you're saying no no mommy daddy this is really tasty mm, earthworms and I said mm, no you don't want to eat that try the this what is it <coughs> sweets oh this is much better would you think that's a negative thing stop eating the dirt in the backyard here's some sweets instead which is better it's not even close is it the sweets, the sweets are much, much better. We only keep the covenant, my friends, if we love him. If we see that he is far better than anything we turn our back on. If we see that sin is that dirt, that gravel, that which does not satisfy us in any way. But Christ satisfies Christ brings us joy. It brings repentance here. This blessed repentance that we speak of. It brings changes in our lives. And the changes are seen here in verse 30. If these things are followed. We would not give our daughters as wives to the people of the land. Mixed marriages. It it, it has an outward lived out reality. It records in the law in Deuteronomy 7 verses 3 and 4. Nor shall you make marriages with them. You should not give your daughter to their son. Nor take their daughter for your son. For they will turn your sons away from following me. To serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. They were warned the dangers of mixed marriages that... They would lead you, these pagan wives who didn't know the Lord. This is the key to all this. That they would bring them away from God. And Solomon's, this happened in Solomon's life. 1 Kings chapter 11 records the tragedy of Solomon with all of his wives. As godly as he was, as much wisdom as he had, he was led away from the first commandment. Led away from God. Now, we may think in our lives, we may know of blessed exceptions to this, where there have been mixed marriages and times when people haven't exactly followed God's law and that person, maybe, maybe the other person gets saved. And I know of examples like this and praise God when it happens, but it's an example of God's mercy, not an example of God's permission. We must not think that just because, well, this worked out for someone else. No, no, we must think of what the Word of God says. It's an example of God's mercy, not a blessing in our sin. Also in verse 31, there's a promise to turn away from Sabbath breaking. Sabbath breaking. To turn from the curse that is described here. If if the peoples of the land, verse 31, brought wares of any grain to sell on the Sabbath day. We would not buy it from them on the Sabbath. Here's what it looks like. Here's an example of something that they had been engaging with. That they no longer do. There's going to be a change in outward behavior. No, we will not be perfect. But we seek to follow God and obey him in all things. Two, turn away from that which is horrible to that which is wonderful, that which is sweet and that which refreshes Jesus Christ. So we've looked at the blessing of repentance. Now number two, we're going to look at the blessing of refreshment. The blessing of refreshment. This world is fallen in rebellion. And If you're going to draw a picture of it spiritually, it is like a desert wasteland, a desert wasteland, Uh, one without life-giving water. However, we do not see this in our fallen and lost state. Imagine you're going through that desert, but you you think you see water everywhere. You're having mirages. And that is fallen man. Unless we are born again of the spirit of God. Would we be blind to our need for Christ. And our need to be refreshed in him. But in covenant keeping. We have true life giving water. Because we turn to the one who has life giving water. This life giving water. Jesus said this in John 4. Ten, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would ask, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Living water. This refreshment of keeping this covenant, it brings life to you, and when followed by the whole church to the whole church, it brings life this refreshment and this refreshment is described here in verse thirty-one. Is Sabbath keeping, keeping of this holy day. Halfway through verse thirty-one, or on a holy day, we would forego the seventh year's produce and the exacting of every debt. Now, this was when there were uh, Sabbath years. We no longer have that, but we still have the one day and seven Sabbath. That is described in the Ten Commandments. And there is a refreshment in keeping the Sabbath. In turning away from Sabbath breaking to Sabbath keeping. Uh, There are things that are neglected in times of decline. You know you'll have a period of revival. But afterwards if you read in church history. There is a time of decline unfortunately. The the vibrancy wanes in times of decline. And religion can become, in places, the least amount possible. What is the least amount of religion that I can have in my life? And sometimes it's not even to satisfy God. Sometimes it can be to satisfy our family members. That is where the love of other things creep in. And it describes here the love of money. The love of money being the reason for Sabbath breaking. It says in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. And pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Greed is is something that can draw us away from God. And it says here, if the peoples of the land... These unbelievers, they brought wares and things to to sell on the Sabbath day. These things may be very enticing. Perhaps they only come on certain days and there's a certain deal. And if I don't do it on this certain day, well, I lose out. The love of money can cause us to lose out and rob ourselves of this refreshment of the Sabbath day. Luke 12:34 says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your heart is in love with money on the Lord's day, then your heart is focused on earthly things which do not refresh the soul. And we can think of examples like opening a business on the Lord's day when it's not a work of necessity and mercy. There are certain works of necessity. There are certain farming work that is necessary on the Lord's day. There are works of mercy, visiting the sick, helping people. Things like this, they are necessary to be done. And if they're not done, it is sinful. But there are ways in which our love of money can make us break the Sabbath day, even beyond just opening a business that should not be open on the Sabbath day. Perhaps we choose to fly. Uh, On the Sabbath day. We could easily have flight on the Monday or the Tuesday. And perhaps it's to save money. Or perhaps there's other decisions that we make. Robbing ourselves of the blessings and the refreshment of the Sabbath day. Of time alone with God. And friends. I can't. Produce for you a list of do's and don'ts. (laughs) Uh, We'd love that. But we must examine our own hearts. That we do not rob ourselves of the refreshment of keeping the Sabbath day. The refreshment of a window into heaven. Because what will will we be doing forever and ever in heaven? Singing praises to God. in In his presence. This is the Sabbath day. The worship services especially. Our wonderful windows into heaven. Where we can see glimpses of the glory to come. And when we are at our closest to God. We need that window. Vibrant, opening up light into our lives, into our week. In order that we may go forth. And that it may bless our week ahead. So the blessing of repentance, the blessing of refreshment. Now number three, the blessing of requirements met. The blessing of requirements met. Or another way of saying that is of needs met. Of needs met. They're earthly things that we need. Um... As part of this covenanted revival, a covenanting, there are things listed here that God's people promised to provide and give to the service of God. In verse 32, it says this. And we also we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the regular grain offering. For the regular burnt offering of the Sabbaths, the new moons and the set feasts. For the holy things, for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel and all the work of the house of our God. We cast lots among the priests, the Levites and the people for bringing the wood offering into the house of our God. According to our father's houses at the appointed times year by year. To burn on the altar, all the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. Now, this was part of Old Testament worship—things that were needed for the worship of Almighty God. But when we see among these things, there's these physical needs, isn't there? There's physical needs of the house of God—means that are used. there is a promise of providing those physical needs needed for the work of this house when we think of the church here today we may not have we don't have the same list of needs but we have there are physical needs that need to be provided for children before you came here this evening or anybody else for that matter You needed some foods, didn't you? Probably what, half five or six o'clock, a quick snack before you came here just to help you to pay attention through the evening. We have physical needs. Physical needs that help us spiritually. Money is something needed to support the work of the house of God. And as... Boring as a topic as it is. And it's not a topic I love bringing up, I'll be honest. But it is something that is needed. It is something that is needed for the work to go forward. It talks about uh, we made ordinances for ourselves to exact ourselves one third of a shekel. Uh, These things that we may not look at sometimes. These things without which the work. Humanly speaking, earthly speaking, cannot go forward. If we don't have the necessary funds today within the church, there is no setting aside of men for the ministry. There's no setting aside of men for the preaching and the teaching of God's word. And what will happen if that happens? Well, the work will suffer. The work will suffer. Pastoral visitation would suffer. They prov- if they follow this, they provided for the teaching Levites. The Levites not only offered sacrifice before God, but they also taught the people. They were teaching Levites. So what they needed for their work was provided for them. In verse 37 of our text, it says this to bring the first fruits of our dough our offerings the fruit of all kinds of trees the new wine and oil to the priests to the st- to the storerooms of the house of our god and to bring the tithes of all of our land to the levites for the levites should receive the tithes of all our farming communities and i know many of us don't like to think about money myself included But it is an earthly requirement for the work to go forward. Without which, earthly speaking, the work will stop. Humanly speaking. Of course, the Lord isn't dependent on any means that we provide. But he chooses to use means to advance the work. And we're called, friends, to give generously. In the New Testament era, we're called to give generously. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. But, I, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So, let each one give as he proposes in his heart. Not grudgingly, or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful Giver. But it's not just about money. It's about more than that. Verse 32 of our text says this. For, talks about money, yes, one shekel yearly to be given, one third of a shekel. But also for the showbread, the regular grain offering, there is. A building in need of things. In need of earthly means. What do we need today? Now we praise God that worship in the New Testament era is far more simple, isn't it? We don't have a physical temple. We have a spiritual temple, but we don't have a physical temple. But praise God for this building here. Making it wonderful, especially whenever it rains, which it does a lot in Ireland. I think you'll have noticed that. Praise God for chairs uh, that we can sit in comfort. Little things that we may not think about, but we have much to be thankful for. Things that help. They may not be necessary, but they help. Now the things that were given here were all according to the law. This was all done to obey God. This was not done to show off. This was not done to say, hey, look at me, I'm so wonderful. This was done as it is written in the law. They were turning to God. This was a fruit of that blessed repentance that we spoke about earlier. What was given even by the Levites? The Levites even provided themselves. Verse thirty eight, verse thirty eight of our text, and the priest, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes, and the Levites shall bring up a tithe of the tithes of the house of our God to the rooms of the storehouse. They also were to give to the work of God. And this and this is what happens in covenant keeping. These earthly means, the things that we may think, well, this is not so important. The, the little things, quote unquote, these earthly means, these requirements are met. Ultimately, because God moves in his people to give generously. Not just money, but their talents, their time, and their prayers. Finally, we're going to look at the blessing of God. Renovation. Renovation. So we've looked at repentance, the blessing of refreshment, the blessing of requirements met. Finally, the blessing of renovation. The blessing of renovation. The scriptures describe the church as a building. If you look throughout the scriptures, there's this picture of a building. Ephesians 2.21 says, In whom the whole building, being fitted together... Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. The whole building. What happens when there's times of decline? A building lacks the requirements that we talked about. The things, uh, paint and other maintenance that is done to a building. What happens? It becomes neglected. In times of decline, the house of God looks dilapidated. Like an old building that's been left there. In verse 39. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi. Shall bring the offering of the grain of the new wine and the oil. To the storehouses where the articles of the sanctuary are. Where the priests who minister. And the gatekeepers. And the singers are. And we will not neglect the house of our God. There's a turning away from this neglect. Covenant keeping reverses the neglect scene in the house of God. The house of God was neglected in Haggai's day. And this Haggai's day, if you remember, is right after the first return from Babylon. What did Haggai say Of the house of God. You looked for much. But indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home. I blew it away. Why says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house. That is in ruins. Well, every one of you. Runs to his own house. In Haggai's day. They were so focused on their own things. They were. Their own houses were, were finished. But the house of God. Was in ruins. Basically the picture is this. They focused on their own concerns and their own needs. And the house of God was in desperate need of help. It was neglected. This great building whose builder is God. Have you ever seen old buildings if you go throughout the country? And there's some abandoned buildings. And you think to yourself, should that building be knocked down yeah, that's you know it's been all covered over the windows are covered over but churches can become like that or former churches and when there's no more gospel light in those churches the demolition man comes and the lampstand is removed because they've left their first love But what happens when someone cares and loves that building? Cares and really loves that building? Someone rich and someone who sees the importance of that building. And sees the importance of it. And the building is only important because of the builder. Because of the builder. That's when the building gets renewed. It gets replenished. It gets a new paint job as it were new plaster on the walls brought back much closer to its former glory that's what happens in times of revival that's what happens in times of covenant keeping that's what happens in times of when God's people follow God the house looks wonderful the house is no longer in danger of being knocked down. There is renovation in this building. Why? Because it is no longer neglected. When God's people keep their covenant promises, biblical promises before God, there is renovation. Children who are here this evening, I wonder, do any of you have a favorite toy? Do any of you have a favorite toy that you can think of? And perhaps that toy at times gets so dirty. And your parents are thinking, will you throw out that thing please? And maybe your parents are hiding it. and Maybe hope you'll never miss it again. But you love that toy. And you will not part with it. So what happens? Your parents will throw it into the washing machine or maybe wash it by hand. And it's clean. It's made new. Because of the love it was shown we need God's love on the building of God's house. We need God's love. And we need to know more about God's love for his bride. We can get discouraged. And there's times when we may feel like giving up on the church in times like this. Times when we may remember better former glory. When the building looked far better. But remember who loves that building. Remember who loves his church. We love him because he first loved us. And because he first loved us, he died to renew us. He died to wash us clean. One day, dear friends, one day, this earth and heaven will be renewed. This earth and the heaven will all be renewed. Be renovated. There will be no more sin on the earth. The bride of Christ will be glorious. There will no longer be any signs. Of neglect. Or ruin. And it's all because of Christ. And his redeeming love. Then. And only then with. With. After we've been glorified, we will obey perfectly. In the world to come, until that day, we are but sinners. But let us remember here this evening the blessings of following Him, the blessings of keeping His covenant, the blessings today. While we look forward to that day of renovation, let us think of the blessings today. Let us remind ourselves of the blessings today. Keep His covenant. The vows, the promises that you've made. I will follow Almighty God. Remind ourselves of those promises. And yes, we will fall short. Keep short accounts. Oh Lord, forgive me in this area. Wash me clean. That I may be renewed in my relationship with you. And may the Lord bless his church, his bride in this day. Amen.